0: To. My name is Jamie. If uh, y'all would stand for the scripture reading of the week, um, we are going to be reading out of Romans 13, 1 through 7. And it says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. They are God's servants, angel agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is why, also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor.
1: Would you stand with me as we pray? Lord, today we, we look at your authority. Lord, you are sovereign. You are holy. Lord, may your will be done. Lord, may your kingdom come on this earth as it is in heaven lord you are good and mighty we praise your name we worship you jesus in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and all of god's people shouted amen amen well you may be seated This morning's topic talks about government and taxes and obeying the government, and I hope this morning that I will just preach this text, that we will look at this text and preach it for what it is, and Lord, you might be lifted high this morning. I think it's one of those things that uh, here we are in this series on Romans, and we've been talking about the grace of God and salvation, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, and then here's this passage about God's sovereignty, so much so that we need to obey the government that we are under, because the Lord is also sovereign over everything. He is sovereign over the governments, and I think this week, it's just interesting how the, 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 that we are here in Romans 13, on Tuesday was an election. We we managed to voted on a new mayor, and we voted on some things, and all over Colorado and the United States people voted this week. And then just yesterday was Veterans Day, and we thank everyone for serving, if you were a veteran. And here we are in this passage talking about the role of government. So let's just get right to it, shall we? It says this, verse one, the first point this, this morning is, be subject to the governing authorities. Does anyone else hear that and kind of get the the heebie-jeebies a little bit? Like really? Like the the gut? Like we're supposed to just obey? Does anybody else besides me just quickly begin to think about the what ifs? Like okay, obey the government. I got that. But what if the government is this way or that way? Is anybody else or just me? Just me? Okay. I see a couple. Okay, good. Like I, at least we're in the same. You know, we think about this passage. It says it just says what it says, and then we immediately think about okay, what about this? What about that? I've been looking at commentaries on the book of Romans. One of them has is written by the the guy by the name of Karl Barth. Is that, does anybody recognize that name? He's he's and within the theological world, he is one of the heavy hitters. If anyone would be declared like here's a theologian of the 20th century, the name Karl Barth would probably come to the top of that list. He's very well known amongst theologians. Wrote commentaries. Wrote a commentary on the Book of Romans. And I'm gonna come back to his name at the end because here he is. Karl Barth was in the The 1920s and 30s and 40s, writing in a country of Germany at the time, and he wrote this commentary on the book of Romans before the rise of Nazism and then after Nazism. Writes some more about, okay, what is the role of Christians within government? But he says this, and he writes this on the book of Romans. He says, This passage in the book of Romans is telling us to withdraw and to make way. what does he mean by that? And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about his name specifically. But this idea that God is sovereign overall, that if we withdraw in a good way and we let God, if we withdraw and make way, well, then God is sovereign and he is good and he is holy. And if we look at this passage, the passage we just read, Christians should be some of the most respectful people, should be some of the most obedient people on the face of this earth if we look at this passage and we act and do what it says i think about our story so here we are new life man or two i think about when we started wanting to meet in the city we sought out um some public venues was anybody there when we met in the town hall a while ago i see a couple hands um we met in the town hall, public space. We, we met in some of the parks uh, during the summer, a couple, uh, just to, this last summer, a couple, uh, the summer before that. And to rent space in the city of Manitou was quite an interesting process. It still is an interesting process. I think anybody will tell you that if you want to rent a park, you have to go get an application, then you have to fill out. It's literally 10 pages, or at least it was. They've changed it a little bit. But it was literally 10 pages of stuff to fill, just to rent the park. And there was fees and deposits with that and then you had to turn in this application and that didn't mean you got the park. Then a city council had to form and vote on whether you could have the park. Like we went through this whole process. It was it was just lovely. And um, as you can imagine. And what we kept hearing was people from the city thanking us. Some of them were kind of like, I'm so sorry, it's like 10 pages. I'm so sorry, it's you know we, we have to make you do all these things. But thank you for doing it. And they, they kind of said this reoccurring theme that we heard was... So many nonprofits just come in and they just meet in the park, they take over the park, they put on a concert. There's a lot of nonprofits that just come in and, and do like a big food drive for people and a clothing drive, and they just leave the park a mess. They basically like clean out their garage of everything they don't want, bring it to the park, and set it up and let people take, and then they just kind of leave it trashed. And again and again, they thanked us for following the rules, even though they were quite a few rules to follow. And we got to meet city council members, we got to meet the mayor, we got to go through the city's process, and it just ended up being like, oh, this was, looking back, I was like, man, we we got to do good, and we got to act justly, and love mercy, and walk humbly, just going through this process. So I think about this sermon series on the book of Romans, the subtitle, does anyone know? We've named it uh, Faith in the Faithfulness of God. And this passage is a reminder to us that if we have our faith in how faithful God is, well then this passage doesn't seem that hard to do. Let me reread it again and, and see here what Paul is telling us to do. He says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities... And and why? Well, for there is no authority except which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authorities, rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right. But for those who do wrong, do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Well, then do what is right and you will be commended. The next point here is authority has been given by God. And we see that here in this passage, says, obey the governing authorities, why? Well because God has put that authority in place. And some of us might quickly just say, "Well, what about the bad authority? What about the bad governments that have been put in place?" We could ask the question like, "Well, Paul didn't know that you know we would be 2,000 years later living in the U.S. and we could name things that you know." I, I think we would all raise our hand if if we said, uh, "Well, who's you know who's just kind of concerned about where our government is going?" I think everybody would say, "Yeah, we're concerned." Like the the, the place Paul wrote, like he was in a different place. Did he know of of, of things that that were coming up, like Nazism and Stalin and Pol Pot, if Paul would have known those things, well, then maybe he wouldn't have written this. And, and maybe he, if, if Paul knew of the cruel governments that were coming, he wouldn't have said this. But I'm gonna talk a little bit about the Roman Empire in just a second. But my point here is this, that cruel governments do not reflect on god's nature cruel the cruelties the horribleness that we look in history and we see horrible things that governments or dictators or people who are in power have done to their own people that they are leading should not reflect on the nature of god and and i would say shouldn't reflect on this whole institution of government like marriage marriage is uh between a man and a woman and and god has ordained marriages and yet you see all the time horrible things happening in marriage. Horrible, horrible things. And and those horrible things, those cruel things that happen in marriage shouldn't be a reflection on the nature of God. Shouldn't be a reflection on saying, oh, the whole institution of marriage is wrong. We don't say it like that. Or take the church, for instance. Jesus loves the church. He prays that the church might be one. He gives all the power in the world to the church. And here's the keys and the gates of hell will not overcome the church. And yet so often we look at churches and church leaders and we see sins and we see cruelty and we see things that are not right. And that shouldn't reflect on the nature of God it shouldn't reflect on the whole institution of church those things are still put in place by God so going back to this question that I asked like you know Paul he couldn't have known about you know horrible governments to come you know he he must have been writing in this fairy tale land of the Roman Empire and he's saying oh obey the governments because it's so wonderful and it's just this fairy tale right Wrong, Like let me list for you some of the things that were going on in this horribly ungodly place called the Roman Empire, when at the time Paul writes, one out of four people on the face of the earth were under Roman law. Slavery was rampant by the millions. The emperor of Rome deemed himself to be God on earth. I just think about that for a second, and think about uh, leaders of different countries. If one of them was claiming to be God, we would all think that they were crazy, they were insane, they're taking way too much power. Imagine uh, this happening, so this this happened in Rome. Imagine a city in the US, Like just name a city, anybody? Chicago. Chicago. Imagine in Chicago, One day, the the U.S. government says there's this group in Chicago, some minority group, and we don't like them, so we are going to kill Every child under the age of two that's in Chicago. Like, can you imagine that happening? Like, the travesty, the horror of that happening. It's so far removed from our minds, but that really happened. The opening pages of the New Testament show us the Roman Empire taking a city, Bethlehem, and killing every child under the age of two. Wow, imagine that. And people, Christians and Jews at the time, did not want to pay taxes to Rome. I mean, here's Rome in in the clutches of clutching on the Jewish people and Christians and killing them and squashing them down. And and people were thinking, maybe we shouldn't even pay taxes to this monster, to this beast that is the Roman Empire. And Paul here says, well, pay taxes. Romans 13, 6 says, this is why you pay taxes, for the the authorities of God's servants. They are authorities under our God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If, if taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then pay revenue. If respect, then, then respect If honor, then honor. Paul was writing this letter of the book of Romans somewhere around 56 AD. And during that time, the, the leader of the Roman Empire, the emperor, was named Nero. Has anybody heard of this guy before? Completely crazy. Completely horrible. He would, this is going to turn into PG-13 for just a second, but he would run over kids with his chariot for fun. He married his stepsister. He kicked his pregnant wife until both her and the baby were dead. He was with his own mother, and that means what you think it means. He... Killed his own mother. He committed suicide. He, uh, think about like transgendered uh, identification issues going on today. And some people are like, oh, this is a brand new thing. That's It's nothing new at all. Nero had a young boy and uh, castrated him. I apologize. Uh, and and then married this young boy as near, like turned this boy into a woman and married him as a woman. The horror of this, this man named Nero um, was just unthinkable. So we'll put away the PG-13 stuff for now. So um, Nero, think about the leaders of this world. And Paul is writing under this emperor saying, obey the governing authorities that you are under. Wow. Like, think about that for just a second. Um, Paul is not writing in a fairy tale world where everything was right and he's saying, oh obey it because it's so good. No, he was in a pretty horrible system and saying we still need to obey the government that we are under and here this passage is in the book of Romans, we can't ignore it if we're going through the book of Romans and what's more is that Christians were even uh, punished and imprisoned under this Roman empire and yet Paul still says obey the governing authorities if you want, you can turn to Romans 16, either now or later. There's this story in there that I'm just going to recap, but Paul and Cyrus, uh, Paul and Silas, excuse me, are in the city of Philippi and in, in what is today the, the uh, country of Greece. And they're, they're evangelizing and there's this servant girl, a slave girl actually, and she's going behind them shouting things like, uh, you guys, uh, th- these guys know the way to be saved and, and just shouting things. And Paul, it's, says that Paul gets annoyed by this and so he he looks at the demon inside this girl because the girl was suffering from a spirit and he says, get out of her. It's a very interesting story. Go look at it, uh, Acts chapter 16 sometime. And then the the owners of this girl realize that this little girl is not going to be able to predict the future anymore because she had the spirit. Try to follow me here. And so the owners are not happy because they were making money off this girl. So the owners bring Paul and Silas to the Roman authorities. And the Roman authorities, oddly enough, side with the slave owner. And they have Paul and Silas whipped and flogged, and then put in jail. This is pretty crazy, right? This is crazy stuff. So Paul and Silas are in jail, they're singing hymns, their, their backs are beaten and bloodied, and at night there's an earthquake and the doors open. Now if you're in jail for evangelizing and you've already been whipped and beaten and there's an earthquake and doors open, how many of you would get out of there and just start running and not look back? I would too. But Paul, the author of this passage, says submit to the governing authorities. He stays put in that jail. And then the jailer comes, and the jailer is about to kill himself. This is a crazy story, it's Acts 16, I'm not making this stuff up. So the jailer comes and he's about to kill himself because he knew the punishment for letting the prisoners go would be his own death and torture. So he's about to kill himself, and Paul speaks up and says, don't kill yourself, we are all still here. Which is like, oh, why would you still be there? Like the doors opened, like get out of there. But Paul, Silas, the people in the jail are still there, And they went over with a conversation, this jailer. And the jailer ends up saying, well, what do I need to do to be saved? He gets saved. They go back to the jailer's house. The whole house gets saved and baptized. Then they share a big meal together. Like what in the world? And you think about this phrase, like withdraw and make way. Submit yourself to the authorities and let God make his way. So to to review here Paul is not writing this passage in a fairy tale world he's writing this passage he has been jailed by authorities and he's the one saying submit to it so point 3 let's get into it though cuz i imagine everybody in here is thinking but what if, like, what if the government makes us as Christians do something we cannot do? Point three is this I've worded it mandated wrong is not permitted. So, what I mean by that is if the government mandates us as Christians to do wrong, that is still not permitted. I think everyone who breaks a law has reasons for breaking the law. I, has anybody ever sped before? raise your, come on, if you speed, and you're pulled over, and you're given a ticket, you just, you know, you just say, well, you know, I wasn't going that fast, I know I broke the law, but, you know, the roads were clear, and it wasn't that crowded, come on, like, no big deal, or if you talk to someone who's in jail for, say, stealing something, like, why did you steal this, well, you know, the department store, they had so much of it, and they have so much wealth, they didn't, you know, miss one little thing that I was going to steal, no big deal, right, like, we all, have in the human condition when we do something wrong and break the law we all have our reasons for doing so and yet what happens when like the government asks us to do something as Christians that we cannot do I think in in the United States we have freedoms and, and we just thank the Lord that we are in a country that this rarely rarely if ever happens but certainly there's places in the world where it happens certainly in the Roman Empire this was happening The Roman Empire mandated that every citizen worship Caesar as God. Can you think about that for just a second? Worship Caesar as God. The the common phrase, the greeting of the day in, in Rome was uh someone would say, Caesar is Lord, and then the response was Caesar is Lord indeed. So imagine us, you know, go leaving here, and, and we're back in the time of Rome, and some centurions come by, some on horses, some on foot, and, and the one leading looks over to us and says, Caesar is Lord. And we all just kind of like like don't say anything. And it's like, that's weird. So the, this, this centurion turns around and the troops stop. And then he says, I just said, Caesar is Lord. Expecting to hear back the phrase, Caesar is Lord indeed. And said he hears nothing again. Well, that would start an interrogation by which we would all be sentenced to either jail Imprisonment or the worst, like we would be brought before the Colosseum and be killed and made to say that Caesar is Lord. And if we continue to refuse to say that Caesar is Lord, we would be killed. Like, what do we do as Christians when the government tells us to do something that, that we cannot do as Christians? Well, our full authority is in God alone first. I mentioned Karl Barth. As as a theologian and he wrote during the, the rise of Nazism and he wrote about this passage that we should withdraw and make way and then the Nazis rise to power in Germany where Karl Barth is and he comes up with this declaration him and some other theologians get together you could look at this document later it's called the Barman Declaration and he says this he says that the church cannot be subordinate to the state so if the state like the Nazi state is making Christians submit and making them do things they could never do, like say that Hitler is like this God and and doing things like the the mass extermination of Jews and the people that are handicapped and and people that are foreigners. If the state's making us do that, we, our first uh, authority is God himself as the church and the authority of the word of God, not the authority of of the state, So if it ever comes to obeying God or obeying the government, we first and foremost have to obey God, even in the face of martyrdom. And even in the face of going to our own deaths, re- the book of Revelation is uh, t- talks about these martyrs who live their life and are persecuted under a government. And they're under the altar saying, uh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then they begin saying things like, how long until Lord, Lord, you make things right on the earth, and these people, these evil people are punished. The final point this morning, point four, is that the kingdom is coming. There is a kingdom, and it is coming, and this is, you know, I've said like, okay, let's submit to authority, But that's not to say that things are just gonna get worse worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and end with the devil in charge of everything if we as Christians submit. We know the end. We have hope in the end that the full order of things that God orders the government, that God orders things on this earth and order is good, but the full order of things will come when God himself returns. We're going to celebrate communion here in a minute. And and the phrase that Jesus says is celebrate the death of the Lord. Celebrate his death until he comes again. He will come and make all things right. And in the meantime, let us us think about this. Let us pray about these things. 2 Timothy 2 says, I urge you then, first of all, that prayers, petitions, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people. When we intercede, when we pray on Tuesday nights, we pray for the city, we pray for the local officials, we, we pray for this land, and it says this in, in, in verse two, for the kings and those in authority, that we may live in peace and have quiet lives in all goodness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior. So as we as a church, New Life Manitou, we act justly, we love mercy, and we walk humbly, we are trusting in the gods, the God that we worship. We trust in his sovereignty. I think as this last passage I want to read is, is the hope that we have in, in Christmas and looking forward to Jesus coming and we celebrate his coming past tense and we look forward and say he's coming back again. But let me read for you this passage because this is what we're looking forward to. This is why Paul is calling us to submit to his authority that he has put in place. It's Isaiah, this this famous passage in Isaiah nine that says this. It's about the coming of Jesus. It says, for us, a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The greatness of his government and his peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Would you bow your heads this morning? Would you pray with me? Lord, we trust you. Lord, even in in times of, of, of cruelty, even times of Injustice, Lord, we rise up with with holiness inside of us and say, Lord, you are good, you are right. Lord, use us as, as your soldiers, use us as your people that we might set things right because Lord, you are coming. Lord, we pray this morning for our country, for veterans, for people serving. Lord, we pray for our our local governments and the people that were just elected, the people that have been elected. We pray over Manitou, Colorado Springs, the west side, for your kingdom to come, for your will to be done. Lord, you are sovereign, and Lord, we thank you that we get to pray and intercede for this land, and you are faithful, and you listen to us, and you hear us. And Lord, would you be the Lord of our lives? Would we trust you? You are good and holy and pleasing. We worship your name. We praise you, Lord. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to say a prayer together that we say uh, on most Sundays. It's a prayer of confession as we prepare to take communion. The words will be on the screen as we say them. Let's pray them and honor the Lord. It says this. that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name, amen.